Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Now, if you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, and I do see a few guests in the chat room, please sign in through your Facebook account or blog talk radio. You're also invited, all of you, to call in tonight and to ask questions or make comments. Well, tonight's topic is about forgotten black soldiers who served in white Civil War regiments. And I'm so happy that I had an opportunity to meet Dr. Juanita Patience Moss recently, and she has agreed to come on the show. Dr. Juanita Patience Moss is the great-granddaughter of a Civil War veteran, the granddaughter of a Northeastern Pennsylvania entrepreneur who became an authorsite coal carver and the daughter of a unique coal sculptor who was featured in the March 1970 Ebony Magazine. A former high school biology teacher, her interests unexpectedly changed after retirement and took another direction. Using her scientific background, she made a hypothesis and set out to prove it. As a result, she has published two volumes concerning hundreds of black soldiers who miss, whose military service was forgotten until 1998. Now they are being remembered and honored too. So let me give a warm welcome to Dr. Juanita Patience Moss. Welcome, Dr. Moss. Oh, thank you so much, Bernice. I am delighted that you invited me to talk to you this evening and to your audience. I'm so excited. I have a lot of things to tell you. And uh, so go ask me any questions you would like. Well, I, you are the expert. You have a lot to tell us. But let's start off with what was the catalyst that pushed you to look in white Civil War regiments? Okay, a catalyst is the very word that we need.
to use because something pushed me to do something that had not been done before. You cannot find any of the information that I have in any books. Now, this is the catalyst. In 1998, a monument was going to be unveiled in Washington to honor the black Civil War soldiers. Now, I'm from a small town in northeastern Pennsylvania, and my great-grandfather had settled there in 1883, reared his family. I'm the fourth generation of, um, of, of his descendants. Now, for Memorial Day every year, it was a big parade in town. It's a small town, but we had a, always had a parade going to the cemetery, and veterans from the various wars would march. The uh, I was uh, I did not know any Civil War veterans because they had all passed away, but I did know some Spanish American soldiers, veterans. I knew World War One veterans, and this was prior to World War Two, and then after World War Two during and after World War II. That Memorial Day Parade was an annual event, and people lined the streets to honor the veterans. Then we would go to the cemetery. There would be a, a, a little a ceremony, and people would put flowers on the graves of their dearly departed, and one of our uh, ancestors was there, my great-grandfather, Crowder Patience, who was a Civil War veteran. Now, that's the skeleton of my story. That's all I knew growing up. He was a veteran of the Civil War. Always knew that. Every Memorial Day, a new flag was put on his grave, as on all the other veterans. So now, fast forward through the years. I went to New Jersey. I taught in New Jersey for 33 years. Then I moved to the Alexandria, Virginia area to um, help my daughter with her, her family. And one day I was reading the Washington Post, and I saw an article talking about a monument that was going to be unveiled in July to honor the Civil War soldiers. Well, my great-grandfather was a Civil War soldier. How wonderful. Then it said there was going to be a wall erected around the monument that would have the names of all the Civil War soldiers on it. Oh, isn't that wonderful? All my relatives can come, and we can look, and we can find our our ancestor's name, my great-grandfather, Crowder Patience. And then I was told by reading the Washington Post that the names of the veterans whose names would be on the wall would be in the National Parks database. And all we had to do was look on our computer and make sure the name was spelled correctly. So I put in my great-grandfather's name. And the response was, no known soldier. No known soldier, I'm saying to myself. Well, I can take you to his grave. I know where he is. I, I, I've seen his tombstone all those years. There's an American flag, a GAR stanchion. What do you mean, no known soldier? Well, I didn't know where to go with this. This was the beginning of my research. Now, his daughter lived with me from the time she was 91 until she was 103. It's from her that I got all the information or any of the information that was known about her father, who did not talk, which was not unusual for people. They didn't share certain things with their children, and former slaves did not share a lot of that with their children. 
plus the first generation of children didn't even want to know anything about their ancestors being enslaved, enslaved at all. So Aunt Lily had, went, after she had passed in, 18, in 1986, I discovered a black tin box that she had never shown me. Now, I don't know whether she didn't show it to me because she forgot what was in it or she didn't want to discuss anything. I have no idea. But in that box, there there was a copy of her father's discharge record. And in 1986, I really wasn't interested in it. I just knew what was in there. I perused it, put it back in the box. But now, since I was told by my computer that there was no known soldier, I went to into the black box and look at the record. Not only did I find that the name of the regiment that he was in, I also found that his name was not spelled the way our name was spelled. And that was really a shocker Our surname was Patience, P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. And on his discharge record, it's P-A-C-I-E-N. I hadn't even noticed that before. Didn't even notice that. But now I'm finding a new name to look up. So I put that name in, Crowder, P-A-C-I-E-N. Still, no known soldier. So then I put in 103rd Pennsylvania Regiment, and there is his name. And also it says, apparently escaped capture following the Battle of Plymouth, April 20th, 1864. Did I know anything about the Battle of Plymouth? I did not know anything at all. So this is the catalyst. How did I start researching Civil War, Civil War regiments, and particularly the White Regiment? So in the Washington Post, I was, I was told there was going to be a symposium where Descendants could go and learn all about all the uh, research that was done to find the names in the National Archives. So I decided to attend that. Taking my briefcase with me and a copy of Grandpa's discharge paper record. It wasn't the, the regular discharge, but it was a record so that he could get a pension. So I'm sitting there listening to all of the people speak, the archivists, the politicians, the uh, authors, everyone who knew everything there was about the black soldiers who served in the Civil War. And all of a sudden the light bulb went off in my head, and I said to myself, they're only talking about the black soldiers in the black regiments. What about Grandpa? He was in a white regiment. So when the question and answer period opened, I went to the mic, I addressed the panel, and I questioned, have you been able to retrieve the names from the National Archives of the black soldiers who served in white regiments? No one had an answer for me at first until the moderator stood and said to me, no, because there weren't any. And I said, oh, yes, there were. (laughs) I knew one that was Grandpa, and that's where my hypothesis came in. If there was one, then there had to be more than one. And that set me researching for six years to find a thousand names. I published my first thousand names. I had studied 13 states. I was perfectly satisfied. That was it. I had found a thousand, which is the same as a regiment. That's my hypothetical regiment. And 
Then my publisher asked me, would I do the rest of the state? And he would publish the next book. So that's what happened with volume one. Wow. Well, wow. this is such a wonderful, a wonderful story and an interesting hypothesis. Mm -hmm. But take us now from your hypothesis to your methodology. Because obviously you had some kind of way of identifying these soldiers. You knew your own because it was your ancestor, but what about all of the others? Help us understand, uh, first of all, some of the challenges that you encountered in identifying black Civil War soldiers and white regiments, and then tell us your methodology. All right, I went to the archives. And back in 1998, everything was not on Ancestry.com or on the computers. And I had to look in the individual records of some of these men. First of all, of course, I looked at Grandpa's and got copies of his muster papers and um, other things that are you would consider military records. But I was in the archives looking at looking untying this red tape that had never been untied since it was tied back in Civil War days. That was, I mean, that was such a humbling experience to do that. And a young gentleman came over to me and, and said to me, would you mind my asking you, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> so I explained what I, was, what I was looking for. I told him about Grandpa, and I told him what I had seen in the 103rd roster that said he apparently escaped capture at the Battle of Plymouth. He said, oh, well, have you read? And he told me about an article that had been written by two men about the Battle of Plymouth. I said, no, I have not read about that. So he gave me their names. I called one of them. He sent me a copy of what he had done. And in it, there were 13 black soldiers at Plymouth. So now I went from one to 13. Okay. All right. So now my next question is, how am I going to find other soldiers? I went to uh, a library in Fairfax County, and um, I was asking the librarian there, and she said, well, um, I have a friend who's a librarian at Raleigh, Raleigh Library in North Carolina. Why don't you go down there and visit? Now, no, I wasn't going tomorrow. I mean, this took time. I had, I'd have the uh, time to go down to Raleigh. So maybe several months passed, and uh, so my husband drove me down. I said he was driving me like Miss Daisy all through North Carolina looking <laughs> Cotton. I'd never seen cotton growing before. I saw people gleaning sweet potatoes in the field. This was a whole new experience to me. So I went to the li library in Rome. And you have, you have to think that 20 years ago, maybe I'm saying 20, I don't know exactly the number of years, we wouldn't have been able to even research in that library. And all that information that has been hidden from us. So I went to speak to the, li the librarian. And she, I'm, I was standing in front of her desk, and she said uh, she had something else to do, and she, would I stay there for a few minutes, and she'd come right back to me. So I was standing in front of her desk, and my, my mind is moving, my eyes are moving, and my eyes moved to the left, and there were shelves with 
with volumes of books called the Rosters of the Civil War Soldiers. They were Union rosters of Civil War Soldiers, 1861-1865, in alphabetical order. Now, there are also volumes that were the United States Colored Troops. I was not interested in the United States Colored Troops because Grandpa was not in one of those. So I think there were three volumes of P. So I picked up one of the P's. I start looking uh, through Pennsylvania, and and I'm looking P-A-C-I-E-N, and there is Grandpa. And next to his name, it says Colored Cook. Now, oh. I know anything about his being a cook. Mm-hmm. And cook. So I go back into the article that was sent to me about the soldiers who were at Plymouth, and yes, it says there were 13 cooks who were there. Now, on Grandpa's tombstone, there's nothing about his being a cook. On his discharge record, there's nothing about his being a cook. So then I find out later on, studying this uh, particular aspect of it, that these black men were cooks, but they were ranked as privates, I found the general orders, which is 323, that said, first of all, first of all, the Emancipation Proclamation had to be signed. Secondly, blacks had to be allowed to come into the army. And third, each uh, regiment, Union regiment, was allowed two undercooks of African descent, and they would be ranked as privates. And that's how Grandpa, an escaped 18-year-old slave from Edenton, North Carolina, joined the Union Army. So now I say to myself, well, if his name is there as colored cook, let me look up Richard West, who was also there at Plymouth. Let me look up his name. And it just said cook. So the question in my mind is, are all the cooks black? Does it have to say colored cook? So I'm studying cooks. That was my first, the first group of men that I found were the cooks. So I published a thousand names. Those were all cooks. So when my publisher asked me to finish the rest of the states, and then he wanted me to find out were blacks in the regiment serving in other capacities besides cooks. Well, I didn't want to go there at first. I said, just let me do all the cooks. I did all the cooks in all the states, union states, and I figured I was finished. I was not going any further until he asked me, please see if you can find others. And I found others simply because this is all now in in Ancestry.com. It was not there in 1998. Mm -hmm. I, I, I found everything that I needed for my second volume. I found carpenters and saddlers and teamsters because the only blacks who were racially identified were the cooks because they went in under order 323. And the other black man going into any of the other union regiments were not racially identified. So how did you identify them? On Ancestry.com now you can put in you, you can search for black saddler, and it'll give you hundreds of black saddlers. You could put in black uh, barrier, it'll give you hundreds of black barriers. In, in 
white regiments. That's what is so amazing. That information is there now that was not there in 1998. Okay, okay, which is quite interesting. So as you began to do this uh, research and you're mentioning part of your methodology because you look for cooks and then you looked mm -hmm. and you saw that they were identified as colored. Uh, no, no, what some, other... Some of, them, some of them were identified as colored. There were others that just said cook. So that was, a, that was another project because I had to go to the archives and look up people who were just identified as cook. I looked at their physical characteristics. Every soldier was uh, identified by their hair color, eye color, and skin color, every one. Mm -hmm. So if it said black hair, black skin, black eyes, and he was a cook, I would presume that he was black. Now, were any pension records available for these men, or did you go strictly by the uh, the muster cards? Yeah, I went by the muster card, muster cards. No, I didn't go into anything on their pensions. Now we have a question coming out of the chat, and they would like you to once again mention the occupations of some of the soldiers you looked up. All right, some of them were. Barriers, which would be the blacksmiths, um, and some were wagoners or teamsters, same name, um, and some were carpenters. And uh, but you, you, when you look it up on Ancestry.com, you have to make it a singular word. You can't say black uh, wagoners. It just, you have to say black wagoner and then it will give you a whole list of them. And those okay. were the only, only ones, names that I found. Okay, so as, as you were doing this though, what kind of challenges? And I know in the beginning of your book, you mentioned some of the, the just the challenges that many of the soldiers experience you did mention the the spelling the surname spelling that you discovered yes. was different yes. but there were other challenges that you you did allude to in your book so would you just share with us some of those other challenges well oftentimes as i said people did not discuss uh, their of the experiences that they had. They did not pass this information down to their children, and uh, generations would pass before anyone would become interested. And we, were, we had such challenges in our lives of just having a, a livelihood, rearing our children, educating our children, and we didn't have time to be doing this kind of research. Didn't have, we didn't have the opportunities to do the research. People moved. They did not follow their families, and so people did not discuss what had gone on. So that was a challenge to find people who knew anything about their ancestors who served in the Civil War. The majority of people that I will talk to, I will say, did you have an ancestor in the Civil War? And say, well, we, I don't know, nobody that I knew of. Well, uh, do you think maybe 
one of the, their names is on the wall over in Washington. Now, if their ancestor had been in the United States Colored Troops, yes, their name would be there, and that's who I would send to the wall. But if, their, if they knew that their ancestor had been in the Civil War, but they were not in the United States Colored Troops, then the question is, do you know where they're buried? And mm-hmm. you, have you been to see the tombstone? Because there's a difference between the United States Colored Troops tombstones, which I've described in my second volume, and my great-grandfather's. All my great-grandfather says is 103rd Pennsylvania Volunteers. There's no USCT on there because he wasn't in the USCT. So um, I have found people who have told me about tombstones they have found in cemeteries. Now, you would never say that segregation was an advantage, but to this research, it was an advantage because you can find them in um, this, a segregated section, perhaps, of a cemetery mm-hmm. where the blacks are in one area, the whites are in another area. You, you go into the black section, you see these tombstones that are union tombs, so as you can tell by the little the, uh, insignia that's on there. But if it does not say United States Color Troops, but it's a Union tombstone, then it may say the regiment that that person was in. And most people do not know that differentiation. It's just recently mm-hmm. that anyone has even noticed such a thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And that it's certainly, I mean, you're just giving people just some food for thought. Yes. That yes, you hope, walk into mm-hmm. yes, you walk into a cemetery and you're right. You see Union, but you don't mm-hmm. see USCT. It is something to think about. Then perhaps they were in a white regiment. Yeah, they would have been if the United mm-hmm. States Colored Troops is not on that tombstone. And those are the names I'm looking for now. Those are the ancestors that I would like to call in or give me their names in case I should be so inspired to write volume three. It's all because of collecting names that I've gone from one to two. The people have written to me. They've sent me information. Uh, they'll say, my ancestor was in such and such a, a Michigan or Illinois or Wisconsin. And they know their ancestors were in, were in those regiments, but they're not on the wall, of course. Because they were not yes. United States culture. So this is a whole new idea. It it is a whole new whole idea. New and it's idea. Mm-hmm. yes, and, and we're gonna throw out a challenge to everyone to yes. send you those names. Now yes. we're going to talk about the various regiments so that they can have an idea of the regiments that you've identified, but we're going to take a quick break and then come back and continue to talk about the forgotten black soldiers who served in white regiments during the Civil War. So quick break and we'll be right back, okay?
Well, welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. In fact, I don't know how many of you heard the webinar last week, the Legacy Tree webinar, where I spoke about the Civil War widows' pensions tell the story. And I would encourage you to tune in to that webinar. The, tomorrow is the last day that the webinar will be online free. And for those of you that want to continue to listen to it, just purchase the CD. Well, we have been listening to Dr. Juanita Patience Moss, and she has been discussing her book and research the Forgotten Black Soldiers Who Served in White Regiments During the Civil War. And so, Dr. Moss, please tell us about some of the regiments and how many states did you identify individuals and how is your book organized? Um, well, I wanted to tell you about, I wanted to share with you, let's say, a uh, three persons who I found in my research, uh, and that might answer uh, that question. Uh, I was getting ready to publish, <clears throat> republish uh, volume one, a revised version, and now I had um, close to 2,000 names, considering I started out with 1,000. I did all of the union, all of the reunion states until I was ready to publish. Someone called me on the phone. She said to me, she introduced herself to me, and she said, I am the historian for the 1st Alabama Cavalry. And I was wondering why she was calling me. And she said um, that she had found 16 soldiers when she was doing her research, and she wanted to know, would I like to have that information? Well, of course, I would like to have that information. I told her I was surprised because I had never thought to do any research in Alabama or any of the other Confederate states. And she told me that every Confederate state except South Carolina had raised at least one Union regiment. They were called Unionists. And so she gave me this information, and one of the persons was named Amos McKinney, and I tell the story of Amos McKinney in the first volume. Amos McKinney was buried in a cemetery in Decatur, Georgia, and Decatur, Alabama, I'm sorry, Decatur, Alabama, and someone was studying the cemeteries down there and knew that a Civil War soldier was buried there but did not know just where he was buried. It turns out that he was buried next to his wife, and because his wife's name was McKinney, they were able to find him and to make sure that he had a tombstone put on his grave. And so that was one of the most exciting mountaintop experiences that I had. I was invited down 
my publicist and I flew down, and I had an opportunity to meet with the family and to participate in that program. So there are many others buried where people don't know where they are buried. They, they need to have tombstones. That's and right. And there are people who are making efforts to have tombstones put on these graves. Now, another one um, that uh, of interest is a, uh, the, a Medal of Honor recipient whose name was Bruce Anderson. He was in a New York regiment. Now, when I started telling people, yes, there were blacks in uh, white regiments, and these people need to be honored as well, I said, well, why, there was a Medal of Honor recipient. Shouldn't he be remembered and honored? Of course he should. But his story that is so interesting is that just about maybe two years ago, it was discovered that one of the Marines who was being honored uh, from um, World War II is a descendant of Bruce Anderson, and at that, and he did not know it. Now I thought that was a very interesting uh, touch too. That that the ancestor and the descendant were both military people, but because the story had not been told from generation to generation, the descendant did not know that his ancestor had been a Civil War veteran, not only a Civil War veteran, but a Medal of Honor recipient. I thought that was very fascinating. It is fascinating. If people tell me stories, then these are the stories that I will be putting in my book. I hope there will be more stories coming. Because there are a lot of hidden, hidden stories right in plain sight, in plain view, when people start looking for them. Right. Well, we have a question coming out of the chat, and the uh, chatter would like to know the years of which you identified black soldiers and white regiments. And also, was there a regiment in Savannah, Georgia, a white regiment in Savannah, Georgia? that you identified black soldiers? Uh, well, uh, the years would just be the, uh, during the Civil War, it would be 63 to 65, when the um, soldiers started, blacks started serving. And as far as Savannah, Georgia, I don't, I couldn't say. I don't know. Okay. Okay, and so you have given us uh, three examples. And so tell us about some of the uh, units that you identified and in what states so that individuals can go back to uh, the various states to see if perhaps they may have uh, an ancestor in a white unit. Well, it would be all the the union states, every one of them um, I studied. Now, some states did not have any at all, and most of the states that had, um, go, were starting, oh, let's start with the Cooks, because that's where my research began. Um, okay. It wasn't until the, uh, the Yankees started penetrating the South that all these slaves ran away. Now, if you see a man's name, and it has, um, he's in a regiment, of, and it doesn't have where he was born, or let's say, it was a Wisconsin regiment, and it has that he was born in Alabama. Right away, you're saying, well, he didn't join the regiment back to Wisconsin because most of these regiments were were homegrown regiments. The town's boys all got together and formed their regiments and marched on off to war. 
the regiment my great-grandfather was in comes from uh, western Pennsylvania. And uh, when, they land, when they went to Plymouth, the, the new soldiers that would join them would be runaway slaves, such as my great-grandfather was. Mm-hmm. But all the rest were boys who came from the, uh, western Pennsylvania. Now, along the way, there might be different soldiers who would join the regiments. I can't say that there were not. But generally, they were coming from certain areas. Now, if you found uh, a cook who was from Alabama in a Wisconsin regiment, you were going to presume that that was a black man. So you look up his, his, his name in the archives. You find his physical characteristics. And, you've, and then I would say, I've got another one. And that's mm-hmm. how I... I that those were the cooks. Now, for the other people who would join uh, their hometown regiments, there were people who, they were black people living in these small communities that people knew they were black. They went back home. They had families. They have generations uh, following them. But there's there's nothing to say they were in the Civil War unless they've told their families or if the families know where they're buried. But if the families moved to Kalamazoo from New York, they may never know that their ancestor had been in the Civil War. Also, you know, I'm just looking at your book. You spoke about some of the mixed-race regiments. Well, that's what I would call the, the white regiments, mm-hmm. mixed-race. Mm-hmm. Well, when I speak of mixed race, though, I'm speaking of individuals that were enlisted and they at one point thought they were white, but they mm-hmm. were really black. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, there were there were those. There were some of them who would leave their uh, town where people knew they were black and they would go someplace else where people didn't know they were black. There were plenty of those. And there were mm-hmm. some that did not come back. But there were those who did. Uh, come back to their town, their hometown, to their family, and it's some of their descendants who are telling the story, their stories. And they want their ancestors to be recognized, even if they did not, they were not identifiably black. They still want them to be recognized, of course. Yes, of course. Well, I noticed that you have a large number of black soldiers in the New Jersey, many of the uh, state of New Jersey infantry. And so tell us about uh, your methodology and you have uh, so many. I wonder if people even realize this about uh, New Jersey. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned New Jersey because those names come from the research of a, a historian from New Jersey who went to the those cemeteries that I told you about that were segregated. And she went through them row by row and has uh, written a book. I have her in the uh, bibliography. Um, If anyone's interested in New Jersey and studying them, they can read her book also. But that's why I have so many names, because she has like 500 uh, blacks who served in white regiments in her book, um, among many other stories. Uh, of of Union County, New Jersey. And um, so I'm sure there are cemeteries like that all over the United States, but there's nobody who's gone tramping through them 
to find these names. If I were 40 years younger, I might do that, but I can't do that. <laughs> I'm hoping somebody out there is going to do it for me. Right. Well, it's you've done an amazing job just, I mean, giving the names. So if any anyone would even go through your book, tell them how it is organized so that they could find uh, a, a potential ancestor in your book. I organized in two ways. First, I organized by state in alphabetical order, and then I organized just total alphabetical order. So if you say the last name was Walton, you can go to the W's and see if it's there, and uh, then it would say what state it was in. Or if you knew what state it was in to begin with, then you would just go to that particular state. Now, again, you know, the names can be changed. There can be different spellings of the names. For instance, someone told me that uh, the name Talaferro, as in Booker T. Washington, mm-hmm. some people have, ch- have changed the name to Tolliver. Now, who would ever know that? So there's so many names that have been changed. Uh, uh, Wynn, W-I-N-N, or W-Y-N-N-E, or W-Y-N-N. Are they related? I don't know. You don't know. You start not really not only that, but uh, just the, the use of aliases. It's still uh, oh, something al- to yeah, look at. Aliases. But if you find a name like um, Africanus, I think you're pretty sure he's black. That I found a, 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 a cook with that last name, Africanus. So who knows what he was called when he was a slave? You know, we pick up all, made up names, and people gave us names, and uh, our brothers could have different names, <laughs> full of brothers, mm-hmm. depending on who who they had been sold to. Right, and so, we have a comment of someone coming out of the uh, chat that's saying that she has a, an, a I think it has to be an ancestor that was in Wisconsin. And she found it on the 1890 Veterans Census. Oh, mm-hmm. So have you found any in Wisconsin? I'm looking through your book right now. Yes, yes, there are some in Wisconsin in here. Is she, is yep. she giving you her ancestor's name? Okay, you want to give me your ancestor's name? And we'll see if it's in the book. In the meantime, there, there's a, a question coming out about the soldiers that passed the white. And I don't know if you can answer this question or not. The question is, did you find that they later had trouble obtaining their pensions? Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing about the pensions is that it's the, it was the same qualification required for those that were black that were white. It wasn't any difference. And so I I don't see why they would have any more trouble applying for a pension unless they went in saying they were white and then they discovered they were colored and they, then that said perhaps or it was the wrong person. Their name. They yes, or changed their name. They were trying to get a pension and could not get one. Yes, uh, well, I did read about someone who had trouble getting her husband's pension because he was he looked like he was white 
Yes, and and that would definitely cause a, a problem. I've, I've even read a pension where the woman was asked to describe her husband, mm -hmm. and her description of him was different than the description on his muster card. So mm -hmm. she, you know, she had a she had a lot of problems with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we have an, another comment just coming out of the chat that they've seen many census and doing biracial genealogy that the enumerator called them like they saw them. And yes, so, yes, you yes. know, <laughs> it's, which, which right there, you know, may have caused the problem. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Someone can be black in the 1910 census and be white in the 1920 census. I've seen that happen, too. That's right. That's right. Well, did this well, lady tell you about Wisconsin? Because there are no, she hasn't given me. Karen, you want to give me the name in Wisconsin? She hasn't given me the name in Wisconsin yet, so okay. uh, we don't we don't know what the surname is right. uh, for for Wisconsin. But uh, in addition to New Jersey, what states did you find to have the largest number of black soldiers in white regiments? Oh, there were a lot in Massachusetts and a lot in New York. Uh, I would say mostly the northern states. Uh, but um, you'd have to go through them, just like I did. <laughs> I don't have them counted, so I can't say. But I'm looking right now. Illinois had a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I found an interesting one in uh, California, Charles Graffel. And someone sent the, his information to me um, when I went to research at the um, the military barracks in Harrisburg. Uh, I was questioning uh, someone there, and I said I told him I was looking for blacks who had served in white regiments, and I expected him to tell me, well, there were none, like I had been told before. But he gave me a folder uh, with Charles Graffel's information. Someone had been looking for him in 1948. I was doing my research in 1998. So I said to this gentleman, how did, how did you remember this? And he said, because this is the only one that I know anything about. I said, well, do you think there are others? Well, he, he was another one who sent me on a nice little path. He sent me to um, a book that was written about Pennsylvania soldiers. And so that's how I was able to... Add to my 13, remember I told you I had 13 starting at Plymouth? Then I, was, yes. I, I decided to study Pennsylvania because my great-grandfather had served in the Pennsylvania Regiment. And so I went through all the regiments uh, in the state, from the state of Pennsylvania, and I had, I had about 65 when I left the uh, library at that time. But that's because someone had gone, was checking on his ancestor, Charles Grapple, in 1948. And so this man had saved that all that time and gave it to me in 1998. California. 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 Well, mm -hmm. yes. Charles Raffle, his name was. Yes. Well, certainly, the, uh, listeners, I'm really hoping that you now can see that when you begin to do your research, they're just you just have to have the hypothesis just as you came up I with. Did. I do. And and then pursue that hypothesis, and you indeed uh, continue. You didn't just kind of drop it and say, "Oh, okay, one person." No, you continue. Mm -hmm. 
I said if there was one, there had to be more. There had to be more. And I think just to kind of reinforce to us, look for colored cooks, look for colored saddlers, look for colored blacksmiths. But remember, it has to be a singular. You have to do it singular. You can't say smiths. You have to do uh blacksmith. And then you get all these names. (laughs) Right. Well, we do have the name of the person from Wisconsin, Jim McKee, or Jim Mackey. Mackey. Mm-hmm. M-C-K-E-E. M-C-K. Mm-hmm. I don't have one in my blue book, and I don't have it. No, I do not. No. For Wisconsin, I have a McDade. James McDade, but not Mackie. Yes. Okay. Well, she says her technology is a little flaky tonight. So perhaps, uh, Karen, you can send it to us and we'll take a look and see what we can find. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, yes, very exciting. Very exciting. So do you, would you believe we're getting kind of close to the end of the show? Do you have any words of wisdom you would like to share with everyone about the book, about the research, and any challenges that you would want to throw out to the listeners tonight? Well, if you think you have an ancestor who served in the Civil War, the first thing you do is to see whether they were in the United States Colored Troops, because if they were, then his name is going to be on that wall. And it's very thrilling to go to the wall and see the name. Now, I'll tell you a little anecdote about the name Patience. Uh, As I said on the discharge record, my great-grandfather's name is spelled P-A-C-I-E-N. But when his children went to school, and we have to remember my great-grandfather was illiterate, so we don't even know what his name was. That's what was put on his discharge paper. And so when his children went to school uh, in 18, I think it was about 18, uh, 85, the first child. What's your name? Florence Patient. Well, how do you spell that? I don't know how to spell it. So the teacher said, well, your name is going to be Patience. That's how my family got that name, P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. So I, my father would go to different towns, and he'd look in a telephone book to see if he could find the name Patient. Sometimes he did come across that name, but he would never call anybody. The reason why he came across that name is because that name is, is comes out of Cornwall in uh, in England. You can find patients in Australia, New Zealand, coming from England. But that's not my family. We're looking for the black patients. <laughs> but there's no way to find out if they are unless you call them. My father never never did that. He never had the nerve to do that. Just want to know whether any other patients is uh, uh, on earth besides our family. And um, so when I went. Uh, I went to the wall. I was looking for uh, my my stepmother's grandfather, who was um, James Patterson. He was in the 5th Massachusetts Cavalry. I was with his great-granddaughter, who wanted to see her grandpa's name on the wall. So I'm standing there, you know, just looking around, like I'm always doing, just looking around, and my eyes sort of shifted to the left. We found Grandpa's, uh, Grandpa's name there. That was Samuel J. Patterson. My eyes shifted to the left, still in the 5th Massachusetts Cavalry, and I see the name Thomas 
patients. Who oh, another patient. Patients. Who is he? <laughs> I had no idea who he was. I was so busy. I, I couldn't, couldn't study Thomas Patients at the time. And uh, one of these days, I'll go over the archives, I'll look up Thomas Patients, which was, which was what I thought I was going to do. I went out to Indiana uh, that summer, and I was teaching a class there, and uh, I took some of my students to the library there at Fort Wayne, which has one of the largest uh, genealogical uh, 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 collections outside of uh, Utah. And so they had Ancestry.com on computers. I'd never seen Ancestry.com. I mean, I'd never seen it. This I don't remember what year it was. Oh, I sat down. I had to look up Thomas Patience. I knew he was in the 5th uh, Massachusetts Cavalry. So there it was. I went to the library, and I said, do you have military records here? And he said, yeah. Took me to an old-fashioned card catalog, pulled out uh, some microfilm, uh, put it on the machine for me, and now I have to go through all the names in alphabetical order, the 5th Massachusetts just choose this cavalry until I come to patients. Thomas Pace, I want to know, where was he from? How old was he? How did he get to Massachusetts? Had he been born in Massachusetts? As I'm scrolling down, I see Thomas Patience, born in Shawan County, North Carolina. Where was Crowder Patience born? Shawan County, North Carolina. Now, were they brothers? I have no idea, but I suspect they were brothers. And then in his pension papers, I read a description of him which fits the description of Grandpa. They had to have been brothers. Isn't that That's exciting? right. That Isn't is exciting. exciting. Yes, and you his sound so excited. <laughs> so I, I'm claiming Thomas. <laughs> he's <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> He's on the wall, but your great grandfather's not on the wall. The is not on the wall. But because I found Crowder, I found Thomas. Because right? I knew Crowder, I found Thomas. I can't find anything else about him. I can't find out where he's buried. No. I've tried to find down there in North Carolina, but I've not been able to do that. He has no tombstone that I know of. Right. Well, I tell you, well, first of all, Karen has uh, posted again that uh, Jim James Mackey was a barber by trade. So she's found a little bit more information on him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was not so, McDade. You see, Mackey could have been McDade. Who knows? Well, yeah. You know, Karen, what about, what about looking to see if, if he was uh, McDade? and uh, see if that could be the same person, because he is listed in the book he in Wisconsin. Fourth Cavalry Company F. Okay, did you hear that? Fourth Cavalry? Fourth Cavalry Company F. Company F. Okay, so we are going to close out the show tonight, and I just want to thank you so much, Dr. Moss, for coming on and sharing your research with us, The Forgotten Black Soldiers who served in white regiments during the Civil War. And for those of you interested in purchasing her book, you can go to amazon.com or www.heritagebooks.com to purchase her book. So good evening, everyone. Thank you so much, Dr. Moss. Oh, thank and you. Thank you.
Yes, and remember everyone, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. Please tune in next week because we're going to have Dr. Blaine Bettinger discuss genetic genealogy standards and more about DNA. And I know all of you all want to hear more about DNA. Now you can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and beyond and the AfroGenius.com Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji on Friday. Thank you so much for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your this show is sponsored by your host, Bernice Beebe's Genealogy and Research and Educational Services LLC. And my website is www.genieberoots.com. And I also want to thank Al for his beautiful music, Sweet Mellow Spice. Thank you so much, Al, for having us play Sweet Mellow Spice every week. And just good night, everyone. Have a good evening. Good night. Good night, Dyke Boss. Good night, Bernice. Mm-hmm.